Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. We hope that this message will challenge you and encourage you on your journey of faith. If you would like to learn more about Journey Church, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at thejourneychurch.cc. Now enjoy the message. So we're going to be talking about something pretty, uh, I think, important. I'm excited about it this morning. The title of the message, I'm going to give you it all up front right now. So if you want to leave after I say this, you can. You'll know exactly what I preached on during the message. Sound good? Don't get up and leave. Stay here. All right. Here's the message. You ready? This is the message title. What do you do in a storm? What do you do in a storm? Listen, it is so fitting. In Virginia, we just spent the last five days raining. Do you all know it's been raining, it seems like, for the last five days, four days, nonstop. You wake up and it's raining. You eat lunch and it's raining. You go to sleep and it's raining. You wake up the next day and it's raining. See, for some of us, we like the rain. The rain is soothing. It's calming. You can sleep during the rain. For others of us who have kids who need to be outside playing with other kids, amen. What do you do in the storm? You know, it's been raining physically in this area for the last couple of days. But can I just tell you, both physically and even metaphorically, it's been raining in our nation. It's been raining in our city. It's been, it's been crazy. Right. I know there's sickness going around right now. A lot of sickness. We got four families out with stomach bugs and two with covid. Y'all come on now. We ain't got time for that. There's a sickness storm going on. I turn. I don't even watch. Listen, I don't watch the news, y'all. I really don't. And I'm barely on social media. I'm barely on barely on the Facebook. (laughs) True story. But I saw that there were crazy mass shootings that happened in Milwaukee. Right. And what was the other place that Colorado? Buffalo, Buffalo and Milwaukee, right? It's crazy. Those are storms. What do you do when you find yourself in a storm? I'm going to give you the answers, like I said, up front. You can write these down, and you'll know where we're going. Listen to me. Take notes. I'm telling you this is going to be good. You're going to get through your week, and the storm is going to come up, and you're going to be like, what was it that Pastor Chris said again? It's going to be good. What do you do when you're in a storm? Number one, listen, take a nap. Take a nap. I'm giving you all the answers up front. Number one, take a nap. Number two, you remember I am. Hear me. You remember I am. Number three, you walk on the word that God has given you. You hear me, church? Number four, you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. That's a Sunday school answer, isn't it? You keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And number five, you remember the broken pieces. Now, you might be wondering, where are we going with this today? Well, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about what you do when you're in the middle of a storm. Last week, Pastor Kim preached. She preached a great message last week. I always am blessed when my wife preaches. Y'all, listen, I spent almost 22 years of my ministry being a primary preacher, being the one that's always preaching. And it's incredible to be able to sit down and pastor a church with my wife and have her preach a message that I need to hear. And Okay, simmer down now. Simmer down. Here we go. But preach a message that I need to hear myself. Amen? And last week she was preaching, and she, she stole one of my sayings. She stole one of my sayings. Y'all didn't even give me credit. You borrowed it. Okay. 
This is what she said. Look, this is what she said. She gave you an acronym last week in her message series. You remember she preached a message called what? Y'all remember what it was called? I'm what? I'm hungry. Y'all remember? I'm hungry. And she said this. She said, she shared an acronym. The acronym is this. When life is getting intense and you feel yourself starting to get stressed before you do anything that you may regret. She said you need to halt. H-A-L-T, halt. You need to ask yourself, am I hungry right now? Am I angry right now? Am I lonely right now? Am I, what, tired? That's an important acronym. That's going to save someone's life. Because you need to be asking yourself some questions right now. Am I hungry? Am I angry? Am I lonely? And am I tired? I even had a chance this week to text a friend of mine who texted me, and he had some things going on in his life, and things were feeling like they were going upside down. And I texted him, and I said, Brother, halt. That's all I said. Brother, halt. Are you hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. I had to have Pastor Kim remind me of this yesterday while we were going in the Sam's Club. <laughs> True story. I have not eaten, y'all. It's like no one doubts that right now. We're like, what did you do this time? <laughs> going in the Sam's Club. I was hungry, y'all. I was hungry. It's hungry. Someone tell me why they feel the need to check your ID walking into Sam's Club like you're walking into Area 51. Can somebody tell me that? You, you know what I'm talking about? You go into Sam's Club like, sir, sir, membership, sir, sir. Like, first of all, you can't buy anything without a membership, right? If you've been to Sam's, you can't check out without a membership. And you're not going to get past the sweet old lady at the door checking receipts without your membership. Why do you need to ask me for a membership? What if I just want to walk around? What if I'm checking out? What if I don't have a membership yet? What if I just want to look? I was hungry. I was hungry. I needed to, I needed to halt. I needed to make sure and ask myself, am I hungry, angry, lonely, and tired? And she asked me that, and I was able to, I had self-awareness. How many of you know self-awareness is a good thing, amen? Self-awareness is when you are aware of what's going on in your, in your body. And I remember walking up to the door, and I said to her, before we go in here, I need you to hold me. I'm hungry. Hold me. I'm hungry. I'm going to kill somebody. Actually, I didn't say that. I didn't. I did say I feel like punching somebody in the face. I, I did. But I didn't, I didn't do it. I just, it was a thought, right? What do you do when you're in a storm? What do you do? Number one, you take a nap. Go over to Mark chapter 4, verse 35 and 41. We're going to go there. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. And it says this. Now, Jesus is with his disciples, and he's telling he's doing ministry all over the, the area, right? And, and he's coming up to the Sea of Galilee, and he tells his disciples, he says, hey, we're going to go to the other side. We're going to do some ministry on the other side. And we pick up in chapter 4, verse 35, it says, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over, let's cross to the other side of the lake. And so they they took Jesus in a boat, and they started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed him. It said, but soon a fierce storm. Y'all say fierce storm. 
fierce storm. It says, but soon a fierce storm came up. It said high waves were breaking into the boat and began to fill, and it began to fill with water. Verse 38, y'all. Listen, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Did y'all see that? Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. And it said, and the disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Verse 39 says, and when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And verse 41 says, and then the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. That even the wind and waves obey him. Let's unpack it real quick. Verse 35. I want you to know, I want you to notice that Jesus didn't start off talking to the disciples and saying to them, listen to me, we're going to cross over the sea and we're going to hit some really turbulent water. We're going to encounter some crazy waves. It's going to be very, very scary. Even for seasoned fishermen who have spent your entire lives fishing on these waters, you're going to see stuff that's going to make you do stuff in your pants. It's going to be crazy. Notice he didn't start off like that. He just said, let's go to the other side. Let's cross to the other side. What does that phrase tell you? Let's cross over to the other side. What does it tell you, church? Come on, I need to know that you're away. You can talk back to me now. They can only hear me online. You get to see me. What does that tell you when he said, let us cross over to the other side? Even though they were facing waves and it was turbulent and the wind was blowing, he said there's an end destination, and the end destination is the other side. There was enough right there. Let us go over to the other side. Now, to be fair to the disciples, they are still trying to figure out who this Jesus guy is. They know he's special. They know he's a teacher of the scriptures, right, because he does powerful things for God. But they're still trying to figure him out. You see, Jesus is a carpenter. Y'all know what carpenters do? They, they build stuff with wood. Sure, wood. They build stuff with their hands and wood. Do you know the disciples? They were fishermen. Do you know what fishermen do? They catch fish. This is not trick questions. Y'all are like, huh? They catch fish, right? They catch fish. So a carpenter builds things, but where does a carpenter do his work at? On the land. And where do fishermen do their work at? On the water. And how many of you know that if, if a fisherman who spent his entire life fishing these waters are freaking out, how many of you know that's a pretty bad storm? It's a fierce storm. Come on. And they're trying to figure this whole thing out. Like, how in the world can a carpenter be sleeping in the back of the boat? How in the world does this work? It's in the back that it bounces the most, isn't it? I mean, come on. You know when you go to ride roller coasters at, the, at, at Bush Gardens or something, you always want to get into the back of the coaster. Anybody else with me on that? You want to ride in the back of the coaster. Why? Because for some reason you think the back of the coaster goes faster than the front of the coaster, but it doesn't. It doesn't. The coaster goes the same speed all the way around. <laughs> but we ride in the back because it's in the back that we feel it more, isn't it? 
I mean, it seems like in the back you feel it more. There's more inertia. There's more force happening, more G's happening, right? It's the bumpier section of the bus. When you were a kid in school, where did you ride in the bus? Did you ride in the back of the bus? Yeah. And you hit them speed bumps? Anybody else hit their heads on the roof of the bus when you hit them speed bumps? Anybody? Just my bus driver was crazy. She probably should not have been driving buses. I can probably guarantee that. So Jesus is laying down and he's sleeping in the back of the bus or back of the boat. The bus. He's sleeping in the back of the boat. How does one sleep like this? Do you know anybody who can sleep through anything? You do? Sleep through anything. I sleep through everything. When my wife was nine months pregnant, and I mean really pregnant, she would sit on the couch and not be able to get up. And I would fall asleep on the couch. And do you know how my wife, my bride, the mother of my child, would wake me up, she would throw things at me. She would throw things at me, like pillows and things that hit my face. And I wake up and go, what are you doing? She's like, I've been yelling, get up, wake up. My yin said, I would have woke up. Why did I throw a pillow at you? Sleep through anything. And here... Jesus is sleeping. We can learn something from this. He took this opportunity to take a nap. What do you do when you're stuck in a storm? Maybe you need to take a nap. I'm so serious. Do you ever notice, like, when you're tired, how do you start acting when you're tired? Anybody else grumpy when you're tired? My kids pick on me all the time. I fall asleep at a reasonable time, 8.30, 9 o'clock. It's a good time to fall asleep. And my kids will pick on me. My oldest son, as soon as my eyes go, as soon as my eyes close, he'll go, Dad, Dad. I wake up, what? <laughs> you fell asleep. <laughs> I punch you in the throat. <laughs> they poke me. They would just poke me. It's so wrong. But take it. So you know when you, and I get cranky. If I'm, not, if I'm not able to stay sleeping very long, I get very cranky. I mean, that's the truth, isn't it? When you're not sleeping, you create some storms in your lives. Amen? And so maybe, just maybe the storm that you're in right now is due because you need to take a nap. It's so true. It's so true. Mayo Clinic, the Mayo Clinic did a study on the benefits of taking a nap. I'm about to justify someone's three-hour cat nap every day. You ready? Three hours. Mayo Clinic study says this. Here are the benefits to taking a nap. Are you all ready? Here are the benefits. Number one, relaxation. Number two, reduced fatigue. Number three, it increases your alertness. Number four, it improves your mood. Number five, it improves performance, including quicker reactions, uh, reaction time and better memory. Maybe you just need to take a nap. You see, when you take a nap, it also says in the study, when you take a nap, you experience, uh, um, or when, you sh- when should you take a nap? Actually, that's what I said. When should you take a nap? When you experience new fatigue and unexpected sleepiness. 
Yeah. And, and when you're about to experience sleep loss. So that's pretty simple, isn't it? But how many of us don't do that? We know we got a busy day coming ahead. We know we got a busy thing, busy thing to do, and we're and we're not taking that time to take a nap. Jesus did this. Jesus would minister over and over and over again to into the late hours of the night. And here he is, taking a nap. In verse thirty nine through forty, it says, "And then Jesus woke up, and he said to the waves, Silent, be still.' Jesus, listen, this is so good." This dude went from soundly sleeping to silencing the waves. Jesus woke up and he spoke into the waves, into the situation, what he had on the inside of him. He had peace and a calmness that allowed him to sleep in the back of the boat when the waves were rushing. And when he woke up, what he had on the inside of him, he released on the outside of him. If you do not think that what is on the inside of you is affecting what's on the outside of you, just look at a two-year-old. Amen? Look at a two-year-old. One of the greatest moments in a parent's life when they have little babies is what? When they're sleeping. It's like, I love you so much, go to sleep. And what happens when a two-year-old fights going to sleep? Do they get happier? No, they get more cranky, don't they? He's, his, his environment is emulating what is going on on the inside of him. Jesus said, or Jesus took a nap. He took a nap. I was telling my wife about this when I was, preaching it to her and she said huh well someone should have took some more naps last week huh whatever maybe it starts with a nap what do you do in the storm take a nap what else do you do in the storm you remember i am you remember i am There are two times recorded in the Gospels when the disciples found themselves in the midst of the storm. The first one we read a minute ago. The second one we're going to read right now. So check this out in Matthew 14. Matthew 14. And we'll start with verse 24. And it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were uh, in trouble far away from land. They were in another storm. It says, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Y'all say heavy waves. It says, about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Excuse me. Verse 27 says, but Jesus spoke to them at once. He said, don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I'm here. And then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, on, uh, come to you walking on the water. And verse 29 says, yes, come, Jesus said. And so Peter went over, to the side, went over the side of the boat, and he walked on the water towards Jesus. Verse 30 says, and when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Verse 31 says, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? 
And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. And then the disciples worshiped him, saying, you really are the son of God. You really are the son of God. The Sea of Galilee is where this is taking place at. Let me just give you some some information about the Sea of Galilee. Number one, it's a 13-mile-long lake, right? Not really a sea, more like a lake. 13 miles long. It is eight miles wide. That's one and a half or more than one and a half times bigger than the James River. That's just right down the street, right? More than eight miles wide. The highest waves recorded in the Sea of Galilee were recorded back in 1992. These waves were recorded to have reached 10 feet in height during a storm. Those are some pretty tall waves. Now you think about it, you're in a wooden boat on a sea that you fished your whole life, and now all of a sudden you're seeing waves that could be in excess of 10 feet hitting your boat. And at night, at 3 o'clock in the morning, it's one thing to ride some really gnarly waves, right, during the daytime. It's a different thing to be in the water at 3 a.m. in the morning and have those waves hitting. I mean, not that I've ever done that, but I assume that would be the case, right? They're, they're far away from land. And again, they're scared is for good reason. They spent their lives on this, this water. They know the area like the back of their hands. And yet, there they are again, fearing for their lives, rowing like crazy and seemingly getting nowhere. And in verses 25 through 27, it says, and Jesus comes walking on the water. This is a crazy picture. I want you to think about it. Jesus came walking on the water. There are still waves happening. There's still wind blowing. Everything's being tossed to and from. And Jesus comes walking on the water. Calmly walking on the water. And they were terrified. And I can understand why. Heavy waves, Jesus walking. Heavy waves, Jesus walking. Heavy waves, Jesus walking. But it's Jesus' response that I want to highlight in verse 27. Verse 27, he says to them, do not be afraid. Listen, do not be afraid. I am here. Do not be afraid. I am here. Do not be afraid. Have you ever had somebody tell you not to do something? You ever had your kid tell you, dude, calm down. Dad, just calm down. Nothing makes me less calm than being told to calm down. Don't tell me to calm down. Jesus didn't show up and just say, don't be afraid. Heavy waves, Jesus walking. Heavy waves, Jesus walking. He didn't just say, don't be afraid. He said, don't be afraid. Why? Because I am here. Dad, calm down. It's not how it seems. This is really what happened. That could make me calm down. Amen? But not calm down. I'm fine. I'm good. And even for the disciples, do not be afraid. I am 
here. This is not an insensitive statement. This is Jesus telling them the reason why they shouldn't be afraid. I am. And it's not a random phrase, y'all. It's not a random phrase. It's a callback phrase. It's a callback to the story of Moses. Y'all remember Moses, right? The story of Moses, and he's in the desert, and he comes across the burning bush. Y'all remember that? We talked about it a couple weeks ago. He comes across the burning bush. He's having a conversation with God, and God's saying to Moses, right? He's saying, hey, Moses, I want you to go and tell Pharaoh to let all 2.5 million people go, my people, go. I want you to go tell him to let them go. I want you to go tell Pharaoh that you're going to take his entire workforce from him. I want you to tell Pharaoh that you're going to bankrupt his his economy. I want you to tell Pharaoh that life is about to completely flip upside down and tell the Israelites as well. And Moses sits there and he says, but Lord, who should I say told me to do this? Because they're going to think I'm crazy. And he says, I am. I am is telling you to do this. I am telling you to do this. What does it mean? What does the phrase I am mean? I am that I am. I am everything that you need in your life. You see, if you're facing a hard storm, I'm the calm in the storm. If you're facing sickness, I'm the healing in the sickness. If you're facing anxiety, I'm your peace in the midst of that. I am everything you need. I am that I am. I am deliverer. I am your prosperity. I am everything you need. And Jesus shows up. Heavy waves, Jesus walking. Heavy waves, Jesus walking. And he shows up and he says, do not be afraid because I am here. Do y'all remember the last boat trip we took? The one where I was taking a good nap in the back of it and y'all woke me up talking about, we're going to die. Y'all remember that one? You woke me up and what happened when you woke me up? I stood up and brought the peace that I had in my heart into the environment. I spoke everything and everything what? Calmed down. Y'all remember the last time? I mean, I was in the boat with you last time. Now I'm walking on water, heavy waves. I'm everything that you need. We can take courage. Whatever storm you're dealing with right now, we can take courage in that storm because we know I am. We know I am. I am the restoration of your relationships. I am everything you need to parent your kids well. I am those things. And then in verse 28, This guy named Peter takes an opportunity, right? In verse 28, Peter realizes the callback, realizes it's I am walking on the water. And in that moment says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out to you on the water. What's Jesus going to say? Peter, that's not going to end well. You probably shouldn't. That's not what he says. He answers the question. It's me. Come on out. And Peter gets out of the boat. And he begins to walk. He begins to walk on the heavy waves. Heavy waves. Jesus walking. Heavy waves. Peter's walking. 
He begins to walk on top of the very storm that had brought fear into their lives. The thing they feared the most in that moment, he is now walking on top of. But what gave him the ability to walk on top of that? What was it? It was a word that he had from Jesus. He wasn't walking on water, y'all. Listen, he was walking on the word, come. Jesus said, it is me, come. And Peter said, I'm going to walk all the way to Jesus, C-O-M-E. That's what he did. He stood on the word that he had from Jesus. He stood on the word that he had from Jesus. You have in the Bible, in the scriptures that we read, there is no shortage of words that are for you. Now, remember, not everything is written to you in the Bible, but everything is written for you, right? So be great at picking your cherries, amen? Cherry pick those verses that are for you. You want an easy way of doing that? Google search this. Google search in him scriptures. And every scripture in the Bible that refers to who you are in him will be listed for you. And if you want a word that you can stand on in the midst of your storm, pull one of those words out. I am complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. I am forgiven. I am pure. I am holy. That's what you stand on. Stand on those scriptures. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Lord knows I need that going in the Sam's Club. Amen. I can do all things. I walk on the word in the Sam's Club. And Wawa and Royal Farms and Walmart. I just threw them all out there. There's a history. I've gotten much better. Y'all notice that, right? It's been about three months. And I didn't say anything rude this time out loud to them. That's a true statement. It's true. So what do you do when you're in a storm? You remember I am, right? And then you walk on the words that he's given you, the promises that he's given you. Do you know what else you do? You keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. When you find yourself in the storm, Fix your eyes on Jesus, because Peter, remember, Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out to, the bo- come out to you. And Jesus says, come, Peter, it's me. He steps out of the boat and onto the word, and he begins to walk towards Jesus. Where were his eyes when he began to walk on the water? Where was his eyes? They were on Jesus. That's a really good place to look, isn't it? You're doing something that laws and nature should tell you you shouldn't be doing. His eyes are fixed on Jesus. And then something happens, though, right? In verses 30 31, something happened. It said, and then he saw, then he saw the waves and the wind. Then he saw the waves and the wind. So if he sees the waves and the wind, where are his eyes at? Are they on Jesus? Are they on the waves and the wind? Let me ask you a question. Were the waves and the wind always there? A hundred percent. Just like in the very beginning. Remember when Adam and Eve, they clothed themselves and they were like, oh, we're naked. Then they clothed themselves, right? Was it that they were all of a sudden naked after they ate the fruit? Or, 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 or were they naked all along? 
the waves and the wind, all that stuff, they don't ever really go away, y'all. They're going to be there. But where are your eyes fixed? Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, and we're almost done. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this. Uh, The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud, a crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And it says, And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. In verse 2, it says this, and we do this by keeping our eyes on who? Jesus. He is the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. He is the one who initiates and perfects our faith. Jesus, if it's you, tell me to get out of the boat. And Peter, uh, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, it is I. So Peter Right in that moment, his faith was initiated by Jesus. I'm going to step out of the boat and onto the word come and on the, on the water. And as long as his eyes were fixed on Jesus, his faith was complete to do the thing that Jesus told him to do. But if his eyes are off of Jesus, our faith is not made complete. Do you know you don't have to strive to get more faith? Do you hear me? You don't have to strive to get more faith. You don't have to, you know, I, we came up in a, in, in a, in a faith movement, in a, a Christian movement early on in our Christian life, and they would really talk about confessing the word of God. Confe- I'm all for confessing the word. I'm all for confessing scriptures. I think it's a good thing. I just told you to do it, right? But they would say, well, if you need more faith, you need to, you need to confess these scriptures more. The more you confess the scriptures, the more faith is built up inside of you. No, it's not. And they would use the, the scripture in Romans 10 that says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Therefore, you need to confess the scriptures to build your faith. No, no, no. Faith comes by hearing in that word of God, hearing the message of Christ. You see, faith comes by hearing the message of Christ. And the more I hear about Christ, the more faith is awakened on the inside of me. The more I hear about his goodness, the more that goodness is awakened on the inside of me. Listen, how you increase your faith It's by hearing the message of Jesus. You know what the message of Jesus says? I know you, and I love you, and I adore you, and I have forgiven you, and everything is okay between me and you. That is the message of Jesus Christ. I took everything that you ever were, and I took it upon myself to give you everything that I am. That's the message of Christ. But you don't know me, the things that I've done. Yes, he does. And guess what he still chooses to do? Love you. Because that's who he is. He is love. He doesn't know how to be anything other than love. Come on. That's so good. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And as soon as he broke his eyes. As soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus, what happened? The Bible says he began to what? Sink. He began to sink. And you know what he did when he began to sink? This is all really good news to you. You find yourself in the middle of a storm. Here's another one. You want to know what? Call out to Jesus. How about that? Here's another one for you. He began to sink. And the first thing he said was, help me, Lord. And aren't you glad Jesus said, well, you kind of got yourself into that situation in the first place. I told you should have kept your eyes on me. 
right? You should have kept your eyes on me. It's kind of your fault. Hope you can doggy paddle. Like, that's nothing. Jesus said none of that. He sank. He said, help me. And it says right there. It says, and he immediately, immediately he reached down and grabbed him. And you know what they did? They walked back to the boat together. He knew Peter was shook. He didn't say, all right, now try it again. He knew Peter was shook. Come on, we're going to do this together. We'll walk you back. You're going to drown. What do you do when you find yourself in a storm? Number one, maybe you need to take a nap. Number two, remember I am. Number three, you walk on the words that God has given you. Number four, you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. 4A, you call out to Jesus. See, I did 4A because it's not my notes, but I added it afterwards. 4A, you call out to Jesus, right? And last one, the last one you remember, you remember the broken pieces. Listen to me. Right before the heavy waves and Jesus walking, right before that, Jesus performs a miracle. See, Jesus He was an incredible speaker, apparently. And he had gathered a large following of people to come hear him speak. He was healing people and doing miraculous things. And and so he gets up to speak to a large group of people. The scriptures say it was 5,000 men. That doesn't count the women and children. Just 5,000 men, he gets up to speak. Listen to me. We got about 30 of us in this room right now, and I'm on a microphone. Jesus was on a mountain with no microphone, right? And he's preaching. And, man, the same thing happened to them that happens to you guys. He was preaching so good they done forgot what time it was, and they were like, just keep going. Y'all were supposed to laugh at that. I don't like you guys. So he was preaching so good, they lost track of what time it was. And the disciples, because they were so caring, the disciples came up to Jesus and they were like, you need to send them home. It's getting late. They need to eat. Send them home. And Jesus said, won't you feed them? And they were like, there's like 5,000 people here. Won't you feed them? I can preach on that too. Like Jesus doesn't ask questions he don't have an answer for. Why don't you feed him? Well, Lord, what are we going to do? All we got, we stole this kid's Lunchable. We got five crackers and two fish. Lunchables. My kids eat Lunchables. They don't eat the crackers. They eat the Oreos. And that's it. Devil's so busy. They do. So they had five crackers and two fish, Right? And, and Jesus prays over it, and he hands it to the disciples, and the disciples begin to pass it out, and they pass it around, and they pass it around, and it keeps going, and it keeps going, and it keeps going to the point where at the end of it, everybody was stuffed. Everybody was full. And then they told, he told the disciples to do the nastiest thing. I think this is so gross. He tells the disciples, he says, grab 12 baskets and go collect all the leftovers. I don't want your leftovers. You done put your mouth on that. I don't want that. I would have been a bad disciple. (laughs) I'm like, that's gross, Jesus. Twelve disciples 
12 baskets. He says, collect all the leftovers. And the scripture goes on to tell us that there were so many that they had 12 baskets full. Do you know what they did right after that? Jesus says, now listen, listen, take your 12 baskets of broken pieces and get into the boat and I'll meet you on the other side. And you know what happened right after that? Heavy waves and Jesus walking. The story is told over in Mark's version of it. He says, Mark chapter 6, verse 50 and 52 through 52. This is what he says over there. I'm almost done, I promise. I'm wrapping up. Verse 50. They were all terrified when they saw him, but Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. In verse 51. And then he climbed into the boat. See, Mark was jealous. That's what I think. Mark was jealous. He, like, left Peter's whole walking on water part out. Like, no one really needs to know about that part. So he leaves it out, and it says, and take courage, I'm here. And it says, and then he climbed into the boat, and the wind stopped, and they were totally amazed. And it says they were totally amazed. Listen, they were totally amazed, for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of loaves. You're going to get through whatever storm you are dealing with right now. Not only are you going to get through it because he told you to go to the other side, but he's given you provisions to take you through that storm. You got 12 baskets of leftover fish and bread in the boat. Broken pieces, broken pieces that go back and show them the faithfulness of their God. Broken pieces. The storms of our lives seem to highlight the broken pieces, and that's the point. It's not that God wants you to dwell on the brokenness that you have in your life, but that's not to say he doesn't want you to face it. But he doesn't want you to become it. Do you know there's a difference? You are not what you've done. Come on. You are not what you, are, what you have done. You can face the things you've done, but what you've done is not who you are. Who you are is who God has declared you to be. You see, what you've done was sinful. Who you are is forgiven. That's where your identity rests. Who you are, not what you did, but it doesn't mean you don't face it. You're not able to conquer those things until you face it, till you bring it to light. You can't. Then look, it's in the storm that God wants you to remember his faithfulness in your broken pieces because, I love this verse, right? In John chapter 6, verse 12, last verse, and I'm wrapping up for real this time. Promise. John 6, verse 12. Going back to those feeding 5,000s, right? And he says, and everyone was full. And Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. Gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. 
Gather the leftovers. Nothing. Gather all the broken pieces together. Put them in the bucket and take them with you. Nothing is going to be wasted. You see, God is an expert at taking the things that the devil has meant for harm and turning them around for your good. He's able to work all things together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. It's not that God is breaking you down, breaking your life into pieces, causing destruction. It's that God is an expert at bringing wholeness out of destruction. And those moments where you've seen God redeem the broken pieces in your life, you're not to discard those and get rid of them. You're to keep them as a reminder of his faithfulness to see you through the storm that you're going through. Nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. So I want you to know this morning, if you're in the middle of a storm, There are five things, or really six, there are five things that you can do. If you find yourself in a storm, number one, take a nap. You find yourself in a storm, number two, remember your I am. If you find yourself in a storm, you walk on the word that God has given you. If you find yourself in a storm, You keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, and if by chance you happen to take your eyes off of Jesus and you begin to sink, you call out to Jesus. Number five, remember the broken pieces. You will see his faithfulness in those pieces. We're going to close the service with some worship real quick as we wrap. And I want you to just take a few moments and just allow the Spirit of God to speak to your heart. Just take a moment, pray, reflect. Maybe, maybe you need to pray, pray. Maybe you need to take a nap. You need to take a nap right now. Take a nap in the last three minutes of this service. Go ahead and sleep. You start snoring, we'll just watch. We'll turn it. It's good. Or maybe you need to pray. Maybe you take a moment to pray. Maybe you need someone to pray with. You know what? Pastor Kim will be in the back. She'll, she'll go stand in the back. You want to pray with her, man? She'd love to pray with you. Let's just take a few moments and reflect on his faith. Amen.